following message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, I'm speaking to you from outside the walls of a church building and sitting in the midst of a garden in the evening sunshine. And you know, that is so appropriate today because I want to speak to you about what it means to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And this is a message that's been on my heart for quite a while, something I've spoken about before, but it's almost like all the other messages I've done over the last few months have been leading up to this message. I want to speak to you about the life of God, the love of God, manifesting more and more in and through our lives. And that picture of us being rooted and grounded or established in the love of God, that comes from the Apostle Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, which we read in Ephesians 3, where he speaks to them of what he calls the unsearchable riches of Christ in some of the most beautiful words in scripture. He writes, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. What a wonderful phrase. Imagine being filled up with all the fullness of God. That is God's will for our lives. Now, years ago in our home we had an aloe vera plant growing in a little pot little pot something like this one very small little pot and one day we noticed that the plant just had stopped growing so we thought no problem it just needs a little bit more feeding a little bit more watering a little bit more light so we fed it we watered it we moved it and for weeks it was fed and moved fed and moved fed and moved and no matter what we did it never grew in fact with all the stuff we were pouring onto it it began to look worse one day i went to throw it out but I didn't want to throw away the nice pot, so I pulled the plant out of the pot, and in an instant, I could see what the problem was. Underneath the superficial layer of soil, the pot itself was totally full, not with soil, but with the roots of the plant. In other words, the pot itself had limited the size of the roots. That plant could never have grown because it could not physically grow past or grow through the wall of the pot. No matter what we would have fed that plant, even miracle grow, no plant can grow beyond the size of its roots. And I want to show you today that this is also a principle of life in the spirit. Nothing planted can grow beyond the size of its roots. Oak trees, they can grow up to 100 feet tall. I'm looking at uh, some trees in our garden right now and, and they have grown so beautifully over the last 30 years. You know, it's only until I came to lockdown that I actually began to notice how much growth there had been over that time. So it's the same for fruit trees. The roots have to go out a certain length and become established before fruit appears. If the roots can't get that freedom, that room, that liberty to be established, to go down deep and wide, then the fruit that could have appeared never appears in that tree. Same with an oak tree. For an oak tree to grow a uh, hundred feet tall, Wow, think of the depth and the breadth and the length of the roots that's needed for that. So in order to see great growth, 
those roots don't need to be restricted or contained. They need to be established in liberty because nothing planted can grow beyond the size of its roots. The same goes for life. The roots of your life and mine are our beliefs, what the Bible calls the heart. So when Proverbs 4.21 says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of your life, your heart is what you're believing. And that word issues is translated from the Hebrew word for borders. What you believing, what you are believing, is what forms the borders of your life. You can't live beyond the borders of what you have believed. So above all else, be on your guard that you let nothing restrict or hinder or curtail your believing. Because what limits your believing limits your life, how much you can grow in life. Narrow-minded people live stunted lives. Now, how often have you heard people say, you can't put God in a box? But that doesn't stop us trying because the box that we each have God in is our understanding of him, his nature, his love. Now, the problem is that, as we've just read in Ephesians, the love of God surpasses knowledge. Let me say that again. Whatever knowledge you and I have about God's love today, his love actually surpasses that knowledge. And so to know him is to be always growing in our comprehension of his love, the widths of it, the length of it, the depth of it. To know him is to be always growing in the knowledge of his love. It is a love that forgives and loves his enemies, not because of what they do, but because of who he is. Now, many Christians live as if God's love for them is increased by their love and service for him. But if his love is a love that can be enlarged by your actions or mine, then it wasn't very big in the first place, and it didn't surpass our knowledge. No, his love is not a love that waits to see what we will do before he loves us. For Christ demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The branches of a tree are the visible manifestations of the root structure. Nothing planted can grow beyond the size of his roots. So when we plant our mind, root our thinking about God in the wide open spaces, the vastness of his love and grace toward us, then his love will blossom and bear great fruit in our lives because the fruit of his love only grows in our lives according to the depth and width and length of our comprehension, reception of his love for us. For we only love him because he first loved us. It is as our hearts, our beliefs, are rooted and grounded in the vastness of his love, only then are we able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled up to all the fullness of God. No matter how often, you know, we fed and moved that aloe vera plant, even miracle grow could not make it grow because its roots had been denied the length and height and depth that they needed to be established in. Now here's a remarkable thing. Even in Pentecostal churches, where for years we have witnessed the miraculous and the gifts of the Spirit, where in meeting after meeting with great messages and ministry, we have been fed and moved, fed and moved. Even after all that miracle grow, many of us as believers never seem to grow beyond a certain point. We never grew as we should have grown. We never grew out of the self-life into the Christ life. We never grew out of the slave mentality that thinks, if I do this for him, I will get that from him, and into sonship, which thinks, 
all these things are already mine in Christ. We never grew out of walking in the flesh, that's living focused on sin, self and Satan, and walking in the Spirit, that's living focused on heaven's reality, that the principle, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death, that in Christ we died and our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. Just like no amount of more fertilizer or more water or more sunshine could make that aloe vera plant of ours grow, so no amount of preaching or prayer can grow a believer whose mind has never been renewed, whose believing, whose roots have never broken through into the length and height and depth of the truth of what happened at the cross, that there Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for all sins, for all time, and sat down so that you, believer, are no longer a mere man or woman, separated from God by your sins, for that old creature was crucified with Christ and buried. Now, you wouldn't attempt to grow a 100-foot oak tree by leaving it in a flower pot. It's just as crazy to try and grow the life of Christ in believers by planting the seed of the gospel, the proclamation of Christ as your life, within the confines of a religious, obedience to law, old covenant mindset. Religion is too tiny a pot to grow much more than twigs. Oaks of righteousness can't grow in religious pots. The only thing that grows in a pot called self is self-righteousness. That's worth saying again. The only thing that grows in a pot called self is self-righteousness. Jesus said it this way, the new wine cannot be contained in the old wineskin. Our life in the spirits, hidden with Christ and God, cannot be contained within the old wineskin, the old mindset of living as if our sins still separate us from God. In other words, living as if we still had a self-life. As we saw last week, God's word clearly declares that old self to have died and instructs us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, having put off that old self, to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Let me put it this way. The Apostle Paul spoke about this death of the old self by saying, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, if Paul could say that of himself, it is no longer I, then to anyone who believes that they too were crucified with Christ, I can confidently say it is no longer you. That you, separated from God by your sins, and so living under the condemnation of the law, self-absorbed, self-conscious, and working on your self-righteousness, that you is no longer you. That you, running to church every Sunday, feeling so guilty about your performance as a Christian that you weren't sure if you could even receive communion or just let it pass by you, that you is no longer you. That you, feeling so separated from God by your sins that your prayer life consisted mainly of confession of sins and promises to try harder in the belief that his forgiveness was conditional on how well you confessed and turned from your sin, that you is no longer you. For let all those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's so important that this change of thinking, this metanoia, this repentance of self takes place, that the Lord insists, as we saw last week, that we hold a burial service for that you, which is your water baptism. And all this because the love of the Father is a love that insists on loving us as he loves his own son by sharing his life with us.
hold on to your hats. To God, nothing less than union is love. To God, nothing less than union is love. It was that love that brought Christ to the cross. And as long as believers are not rooted and grounded in that love, the length of it, the height of it, the depth of it, a love that surpasses knowledge, a love that you can't find the end of, then they cannot be filled up to all the fullness of God. If instead we continue to plant believers thinking in a love that is only as long, as tall, and as deep as their own good behavior, then we will continue to fill churches with potted plant believers who are fed and moved for years, but never grow to display before this world all the fullness of God, lives so rooted and established in love that they have lost enough self-consciousness to live bold enough to forgive and love their enemies. You know, the nations are groaning to see such love, such forgiveness. And yet when they look to the church to see liberty from self, so often across the world, they don't see liberty from self. They see bondage to self because multitudes of believers continue to be rooted and established in their love for God, the law, rather than his love for them, the gospel. The whole of creation is groaning to see fully grown sons of God, believers who have grown big enough to forgive and love our enemies. Instead, they find us so self-absorbed with our own righteousness that believers living in the same city can't even forgive and love each other enough to live as one church in a local community. If as churches, we aren't growing believers big enough to transcend their pasts, their old life, it is for one reason. We are rooting and establishing them in a small pot called self. And that's exactly what we do. When all our teaching on righteousness and holiness points people to their love for God, rather than his love, his nature, his spirit in them. Nothing planted can grow beyond the size of its roots. You can't grow oaks of righteousness in a pot called self. The only righteousness that grows in a pot called self is self-righteousness. Planting believers in a pot called self is exactly what we do when we root and establish believers in their old self-lives by continuing to speak to them Sunday by Sunday for years as if they are old covenant believers, people who need to do something about their sins because apparently Christ's death, burial, and resurrection weren't enough. So this morning, I'm using that image of a plant pot, confining and restricting the roots of a plant as a picture of how a mindset, a set of beliefs can border or limit our lives. Now, it's so important to see the beliefs that are limiting, constraining our thinking, and so are living. Because unless they, that pot, is broken, our lives will never grow into all they could be. To establish our roots, our thinking, our believing in the truth of the length and height and depth of God's love, the truth of his nature, then what restricts those roots must be taken away. Old covenant, law-based thinking cannot be allowed to remain our mindset, the pot we are planted in. That's why Hebrews 10, 9 and 10, in speaking of the old and new covenants, declares he takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I think those words, once for all, need to be inscribed above the door of every church building in this land, that it would be inscribed in the minds of all those whose lives have been established for years in the old covenant rather than the new. 
for by the revelatory power of his Holy Spirit, the Lord is still in the business of taking away the first to establish the second in the hearts, the beliefs of his church. Now, just as no amount of more water or more sunshine could make our aloe vera plant grow, so no amount of preaching or prayer can grow a believer into the fullness of God, whose mind has never been renewed, whose believing, whose roots have never broken through into the truth of what happened at the cross. That in the words of Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. By the grace of God, in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But this new life has been made in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Making us holy is God's business, not ours. And he is the author and finisher of his work. As we saw last week, no man-made tools were allowed to be used on the stones in the temple. They were pre-cut to exact specifications at the quarry. All that remains for us to be involved in is the positioning of these living stones. And this is the work of the fivefold ministry of Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to minister in the spirit to believers in such a way that positions their thinking and so their living from their new position in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. You know, this making holy of the believer, what is referred to as the justification and sanctification of the believer by the finished work of Christ, not the never-ending self-improvement works of the flesh, that has always come as a scandal to religious old covenant-minded Christians. Down through the generations, right from the time it happened in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit has continued to upset the church by revealing people who the church considered not holy enough for church to be plenty holy enough for God's Spirit. The sort of people whom Jesus called and the sort of people whom the Spirit continued to fill remained such a scandal to the old covenant-minded early church that often Paul could not even preach great truths about the love and the nature of God to many believers because they had yet to grasp the basics of what it meant to be an entirely new creation created in holiness and righteousness. Now, he wanted believers to grow, to know that the love of God surpassed all their religious head knowledge of God's love. But he knew that as long as Christians don't understand that the cross was the death of self and so righteousness by the law, self-righteousness, then they could not grow out of themselves. You see, believers whose hearts or beliefs have never been rooted and established in this teaching about righteousness can sit in church meetings for years and be fed and moved, fed and moved, but never grow in the new life of their union with Christ. Now listen to how this great truth was expressed to old covenant-minded Christians in Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. The only righteousness you can grow in a pot called self is self-righteousness. Now, as believers, our old self-life, you and I living apart from God, dead to God in sin, what Paul called the I, the ego, died with Christ and was buried with Christ. All who are now in Christ have his spirit and no longer have a self-life. You know, when I married my wife, my old single life died and I died to the principles of how a single man should live. Believer, you are now married to Christ. If you don't have a self-life, 
and that is why you're effectively dead to that which demands self-righteousness, the law, if you can reckon yourself dead, if you can believe the gospel and leave yourself buried where Christ buried him, then you're believing your roots will finally break out of that tomb, that pot called self, and they will go deep into the rich soil of Calvary, deep and wide into the love of God. And you will begin to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is eternal life, to know him. And to know him is to be always growing in the knowledge of his love. The gospel has not changed since the time of Paul. There is no new gospel, just the same old religious objections that surely the gospel you preach must be wrong because you seem to be saying that we have been released from the law. I'm not saying it. The Holy Spirit is saying it. It's just that most of us in the church struggle to see ourselves as released from the law because we struggle to see ourselves, our self-lives, as dead. This is too important to take my word for it. Listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 1-6. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work on us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, what is it to serve in the new way of the Spirit? What does that mean? The way of the Spirit is simply to live seeing what the Spirit sees. As believers, many of us may not have fully understood this when we were baptized, that our baptism declared the burial of a life that was dead, self-life, and the rising up of a totally new life, Christ's life. Because to accept Christ is to accept your death and burial, the death of self, and so the death of your relationship to the law. You as a believer can't have a relationship with the law and simultaneously with him whom you're now married to, Christ. Well, you can, but heaven sees it as adultery, which is quite sad that many Christians who want to flirt around with the law think that God will be pleased with what he sees as adultery. Church, if we rose with Christ, it's time we saw ourselves doing what he did, leaving behind the grave clothes of death, which for us is self-righteousness and walking out of that tomb called self. We need to walk out of that mindset, that tomb, that small pot called self, because the extent to which we're still relating to the law is the extent to which we're still more believing in ourselves than in Christ, still more believing in a sinning less life than in a sinless life. You know, we all have a great desire to bear fruit, to be those oaks of righteousness, blossoming in every season with the fruit of God's Spirit, for our family to see the fullness of God in us. But for that to happen, our roots 
our believing has to be broken out of that small pot called self and the shallow soil of our love for God so that they can plunge into the depth of God's love for us. Jesus said that the prodigal son came to himself just before he got up and came home. He had a revelation that self and all the pride of self had to die or he would. For a man or woman to be saved, they have to see that self isn't the answer, self is the problem. So too, for a believer to continue to grow up into this new life, into Christ, we have to continue to see that self isn't the answer. There is no point in digging self up from where Christ buried him so we can preach the law at him in the hope that the preaching of the law will make a bad self into a better self or even a bad Christian into a good Christian. Ironically, that thinking totally underestimates both sin and Christ. Religion totally underestimates both the depth of man's separation from God and the heights of the believer's union with God. Religion says that you are bad and you need to be good. So you need the law for the law makes bad men good. The gospel says your problem is much worse than being bad. Christ didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. God's word never tells us to present ourselves to God as good from bad, but as alive from the dead. That's Romans 6, 13. We were cut off from God and so cut off from life as God knows life, the shared life. Christ entered into our separation, our death, and brought us life, not by standing back from us like Moses and giving us the law, but by entering into our lives, by giving us his very presence. It is Christ's presence that is our righteousness, our sanctification, our very life. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30 and Colossians 3 verse 4. If he is our very life, then can you see that to put the law on believers is to put the law on Christ. Now, no one knew this better than the Apostle Paul, for was he not the very man who one day decided to travel to Damascus and put the law on the Christians there? And who confronted him on the road? No less a person than Jesus himself, who declared in effect, what you're doing to them, you're doing to me. That's Acts 9 verse four. Was Jesus in effect not saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why do you put the law on me? Why do you attempt to judge me? To every misguided Christian preacher who's trying to use the law to make bad Christians good, Christ can still say, Saul, Saul, why are you judging me? Now you may be struggling to see it, but all of heaven and hell saw the Father's judgment on his church at the resurrection of Jesus, when every believer was raised with Christ unless you think that when he rose, you didn't. If you have any doubts on this, it may help you to read the translation of Romans 4.25 from Young's literal Greek translation, which is speaking of Christ, and it says, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our being declared righteous, our justification. You know, not only have many of us for years tolerated a little law with our gospel because we underestimated the depth of our separation, but also because we have totally underestimated the heights of our union with Christ. We have struggled to see what Paul declared to the Ephesians. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
So now you, believer, resurrected and ascended believer, don't have to live as someone who needs the law to get you a little closer to God because you, resurrected and ascended believer, are now hidden with Christ in God. Now, if you can't see that, then just keep setting your eyes on things above, not on the earth below. Keep sitting under the heavenly gospel of grace, not the earthly mixed gospel, and you will see that you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. All the law will do in believers is treat them as if they are separate from God, and so in their minds estrange them from Christ, estrange them, distance them, socially distance them from his presence, from the very life that is their righteousness. Believer, the law won't rob you of your salvation, but it will rob you of your sight, because it can only ever speak to you in one way, as if you're still not married to Christ. Your vision in the Spirit, your ability by the Spirit to see what Christ has done and walk in it is so important that Paul rose up like a lion when he heard that someone was introducing a little leaven, adding a little law to the gospel he had left the Galatians. It often doesn't seem much harm adding a little law to the gospel, especially when you think it will help Christians behave better. But once you start to go blind to what Christ has done, you will start to live as if he is not with you and so of no value to you. Listen to the urgency of Paul's words to the church. They are a warning to every generation of what happens when we do not stand fast in the liberty that our believing needs to be rooted and established in. He said this, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You might be quite a mild-mannered person, but I bet when someone is trying to harm your children, a righteous anger will rise up in you. Would you sit by and say nothing if you heard that the school your children attend were mixing some additives into their food that was affecting their eyesight and would eventually rob them of their vision completely? When you understand the law, preaching robs believers of their sight in the spirit realm, you will understand why the apostle of grace cursed those who were trying to help the Galatians become better Christians by asking them to try harder to be more righteous. He could see that such teaching was only divorcing believers in their minds from Christ and would ultimately blind them to the presence of God in their midst. What happens when believers go blind to the presence of God in their lives? They become vulnerable to every wind of doctrine that blows through the church, promising them that if they only worked harder, God's presence will draw near. Yes, God did have mercy on the pleas of blind Bartimaeus for his presence to draw near, but how exactly does it glorify the work of Christ for his bride to live and speak like blind Bartimaeus, crying out for the presence of God? I believe God's Spirit is present now in power through the preaching of his word to open our eyes our understanding to what happened at the cross. Now, if Paul could say of himself, it is no longer I, then to all those this morning who are finding in themselves right now the gift of faith, beginning to believe that they too were crucified with Christ, I can boldly say, it is no longer you. That you, separated from God by your sins and so living under the condemnation of the law, self-absorbed, self-conscious, working on your self-righteousness, that you is no longer you. 
that you running to church every Sunday and feeling so guilty about your performance as a Christian that you weren't sure if you should even receive communion or not, that you is no longer you. That you feeling so separated from God by your sins that your prayer life consists mainly of confession of sins and promises to try harder in the belief that his forgiveness was conditional on how well you confessed and turned from your sin, that you is no longer you. Let all those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Church, you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.